Welcome to the Color and Chaos Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. It's good to be back. Uh, last week, I wasn't able to uh, record the podcast. I was visiting New York with some friends and visiting some family in New Jersey, so I wasn't able to record, but it's good to be back. If this is your first week, welcome. Congratulations. Thank you for being a part of this. My name is Jonah, and I'm recording this in Macomb, Michigan. And I say this almost every episode, but my heart of Color and Chaos is that so often within the hard times of our life, we're so easy to try to escape or try to numb ourselves or try to comfort ourselves to, to get out of that hard thing that we are going through. And, and rightfully so. I mean, it's, it's hard when we're going through difficulty or pain or, or trials. It's difficult. Um, but what I've seen in my life is that the Lord has used those exact same things that I've tried so hard through many times in my life to run away from. He's used those things in order to produce such a color within me and a growth within me that never would have happened if it wasn't for that chaos. And so color and chaos, uh, basically all that this is, is, is a cry to say that no matter the chaos in your life, no matter what you may be going through or that you will go through or what you have been through, is that we have a God who creates so much beauty out of that pain if we will just let him, if we will let him, if we would say, Lord, in this chaos, I'm, 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 I'm leaning, I'm looking to you to find the color that's in this. I would be honored to be able for us together in, in this moment that we have here together, whether you're watching or, or listening to this, to be able to bring that to the Lord and say, Lord, here's what's heavy on my heart, and um, and and we're giving it to you. And do what you want to do um, through this episode with what's on my heart. Um, so I'd love to pray for you, regardless of where you're at in your walk with Christ. Um, and uh, yeah, it would be an honor to do so. So here, let's pray. Lord God, just thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you so much that regardless of where um, someone is, where they're watching or listening to this, no matter what they may be going through, no matter what's heavy on their heart or on their mind, Lord, you know them inside and out. You know them completely. Lord, thank you so much that you know us. You know us, God, and there's nothing that we can hide from you. There's nothing that we can run away from you, but Lord, you are present within us. Um, and, and you are working in our lives, even in the moments that we may feel like you're absent. So thank you so much, Lord, for that anchor, for that truth, for that confidence that we can have in you. Lord, please use me in this, in this, in this moment that we have together. Um, please, Lord, just put, um, just put the words on my mouth um, that you want me to say and put the message on my heart that you would like me to communicate. Lord, I'm yours. We're yours. And uh, Lord, will you just please, um, through this moment we have together and even past the moment that we have together, grow us closer to you. We're nothing without you, Lord, and we need you. In your name we pray and we surrender. Amen. Amen. Last week, uh, the reason why we didn't have a podcast was uh, because I was in New Jersey and New York. Um, so I went to New Jersey to visit with some uh, family, my aunt and my uncle. It was really awesome to see them again. Aunt Linda, Uncle Philly, if you're watching this or listening this, hey, you know, thanks for taking time out to be a part of this. Um, I, I had a blast with them in uh, New Jersey this last week. And um, not only that I was able to do, but um, my best friend and his wife, my best friend Taylor and his wife Reed uh, from South Carolina, was able to come up and um, we spent the week together just exploring New York um, and having fun over there. And so it was it was truly an awesome, awesome uh, time. It was awesome to be able to relax and also to be able to catch up with them and with, with family. And um, so it was really a great time. One of the things um, about New York, or honestly any city, um, that I actually kind of forgot until I was there 
was in New York, they have so many street vendors. They have uh, food that that um, people just cook right out there by the street. And I was always told to avoid the the food vendors um, just because it would, it would upset your stomach and everything. So kind of when I got into the city, um, I remember telling uh, my, my buddy Taylor and his wife Reed, like, hey, do not eat the street vendors. Do not eat the food that they're cooking on the street because um, it'll mess up your system. So I, going into New York, I kind of was already thinking about that. And depending on where you're at uh, watching or listening to this, maybe that's something that you see all the time. Maybe that's a common uh, thing within your area. Um, if so, maybe you've thought that before too. But that's kind of what I went into New York thinking that like, hey, avoid the food vendors. So with that mindset, um, I, I remember me and Taylor um, Reed wasn't feeling so well, so she stayed behind uh, the day that I'm talking about. But me and Taylor went into the city, and um, we went to a, a museum, and we were just trying to make the most out of our day. Um, we had some tickets to uh, to go to different museums, and we were just trying to hit as many museums as we could. But in in doing that, we didn't really eat much breakfast. There wasn't really much breakfast that we had. Um, so when we went into the city, we were already kind of hungry. But we just kept telling ourselves, like, okay, okay, like, after we do all these museums, then we'll eat. You know, it'll be, it'll be rewarding. It'll be sweet. We'll be able to eat after this. So we had this expectation that after we got done with the museums, we'll go eat. So after we get done with many of these museums, I forgot what time it was. I think it was probably around 2 or 3 at this point. Um, we we get, get outside the museum, and the first thing Taylor's saying, he's like, dude, like, um, I want to get a, a, a street vendor hot dog. And so, um, you know, when he said that, I was like, well, that'll be kind of cool, you know, to get, to get a hot dog from a street vendor, you know, um, since we don't really have street vendors where we're from. But then I was also thinking in the back of my head, like, oh my goodness, like, are you sure you want to do this? And so I, I, I think I remember asking Taylor, like, dude, are you sure you want to do this? Like, it might mess up our systems because uh, of the grease and everything. And he's like, oh, dude, I don't care. I just want to I want to get a hot dog. So we go outside the museum and we go out to the street vendor. And it's, at this point, it's near Central Park. And so it was this, this street vendor right there by the corner going into Central Park. And uh, Taylor sees right there that they have $2 hot dogs. And so for one, it's it's not that expensive. And for two, it's a hot dog. So it's it's what he wanted. So he's like, hey, Jonah, I'll buy. Do you want one? And so um, one thing that I, I, I learned in college and even after college is that you never really turn down free food. And so uh, when he was like, hey, I'll pay for you. I'm like, yeah, dude, I'll, I'll take a hot dog. Um, so Taylor got a hot dog and I got a hot dog, right? The appearance of this stand uh, wasn't really a, a a great beauty. It was uh, kind of dirty, kind of greasy, as you can imagine a, a, a street vendor might be in a big city. And so this this street vendor was one of those. It, it, the outward appearance didn't really look like much. Um, there was nothing really with my eyes that would draw me to this street vendor. If anything, it was more of just that hope of like, okay, well, like I hope that um, what I'm expecting, um, that at least it's a little better than that. Um, so we get the hot dogs. It's $2. We pay the $2. We're walking into Central Park. And uh, like we pray for the uh, we pray for the meal and then we uh, and and then we eat the hot dog, and so Taylor takes a bite, I take a bite, and like it, it was funny because like we looked at each other, and we we're like, "Yo, this is actually a really good hot dog," and so for like the rest of the trip, we kept talking about getting a hot dog because like those hot dogs were good, and and I was thinking that like, like wow wow like my expectations going to the stand were really low. 
And it's always awesome whenever our expectations are low, but then we get something that like overperforms. Uh, one thing though, on the flip side of that, that always stinks is when you have high expectations, especially when it comes to food. You have high expectations, but then it under delivers. Have you ever, and maybe you can relate with this, have you ever been with your friends or maybe you've even just been out by yourself? Have you ever been out and, and somebody really talks up this restaurant that you're about to go to? Saying like, oh man, they have the best blank. They have the best food or drink or or um, you know hot dogs or or wings or whatever it is. They always you know they they're talking it up, and so you go there, and like maybe you didn't eat all day because you're expecting this awesome meal, and then you go there and you sit down and you eat the meal, and it it was all right, you know. Like, have you ever had that moment? Like, it stinks. You know, when you expect one thing, you expect it to be good, but then it's, you know, not. There, You know, you expect something to be like the best, you know, food that you've ever eaten, but then it's like, oh, like I paid all that money for nothing, you know? Like I didn't really get anything from it. That always stinks. As I was reading in the Bible um, this week after coming back from New York, um, that those memories were kind of still in my head. But I was reading the passage in Matthew 21, and I'll read it in a second. But it's a moment where Jesus um, is hungry. So he's he's in the same situation that me and Taylor were in. He's hungry, and he has this opportunity to eat. And he notices a fig tree. And there's something that happens within um, what happens next that I, that I want to kind of um, unpack on today's episode. Um, but first, before I read Matthew 21, I want to kind of sandwich this passage in Scripture in between two verses. So the first verse that I want to read at the very beginning is Psalms 26, verse 2. And then after I, I talk about Matthew 21, I want to read Psalms 26, verse 3. It says this. This is David, and he's, and he's crying out to the Lord. This is what he says. He says, put me on trial, Lord, and cross-examine me. Test my motives and my heart. Again, this is Psalms 26 um, in the NLT version, but it says this, put me on trial, Lord, and cross-examine me. Test my motives and my heart. Matthew 21, verse 18 to 19, this is what it says. In the morning, as Jesus was returning to Jerusalem, he was hungry, and he noticed a fig tree beside the road. He went over there to see if there was any figs, but there were only leaves. Then he said to it, May you never bear fruit again. And immediately the fig tree withered. I want to read that one more time. And as I'm reading this, just try to allow this passage to kind of come alive in your head as, as we're reading this. In the morning, as Jesus was returning to Jerusalem, he was hungry and he noticed a fig tree besides the road. He went over to see if there were any figs, but there were only leaves. Then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. And immediately the fig tree withered. One thing that, that strikes me very odd about this passage right here, and as I was reading it this week, I was thinking about, is that Jesus got so upset that this fig tree didn't have any figs that he actually like killed the fig tree. And I was thinking like in my life, as I was reading this, I was like, for one, the first thought that came to my head was like, okay, Lord, um, are you going to treat me like you treat that fig tree? Like if you if you would look at me right now, like and you found something un, un undesirable or or that didn't meet your expectations, are you just going to curse me and 
and say like, oh, well, the, you know, the, Jonah was a good try, but he failed and I'm done with him. You know, like, and I was asking the Lord as I was reading this, you know, Lord, is this, you know, your character? Is your character just to get frustrated easy? And as I was reading more into this, I, I noticed that this isn't the only part in scripture that, that talks about this moment. There's a passage within Mark, um, in Mark, thir- uh, Mark 11, 13, it talks about that the time of figs wasn't even the time yet. And so that even got me even more perplexed because I was saying, okay, Lord, if the time for figs weren't time yet and you went to the fig tree and, and you're 100% God and 100% man, you you would have known that what, what was going on this fig tree. You know, the fig, the, the fig tree not having figs didn't surprise Jesus. But still, he cursed it as if he was saying, oh, wait a minute, like, there should be figs here. But then in Mark, it says that the fig, the time of figs weren't there yet. And I was just thinking about that and saying, Lord, you know, how do you respond to us? If when you find us and there, there's something within us that isn't desirable. One thing that also stood out to me is that in this passage, it, it said that not only was the tree beside the road, which during this time, the, the fig trees were planted alongside the road because the Jews believed that the dust would help the tree in some way, the ju- dust from the people walking by. So they would plant these fig trees by the side of the road. And, and because it was by the side of the road, it was it was it was public, basically pu- public pu- property that you can go up and you can pick fig trees. But the thing that's really strange about this is that as I was reading into fig trees during this time and how they grew, a Jewish historian named Josephus he wrote about fig trees during this time, and he was talking about ten out of the twelve uh, months that figs were were blooming. And so to say that it wasn't time of the figs yet that the figs weren't there yet, it doesn't match up because in this passage, it was talking about that there were still leaves on the tree. So it makes me wonder that, okay, even if it wasn't time for the figs to be there yet, the fact that this tree had full leaves that drew the eyes of Jesus towards it, that that on the outward, it had so much beauty and potential. It had so It promised one thing, but then when Jesus got closer to it, what it promised on the outside, in reality, it was just empty. There was nothing there. That, that on the outward, it had all the signs that it had good fruit. But on the inside, it, there was nothing. It was shallow. It was just like, you know, me talking about that, that stand. It's kind of the opposite, honestly, of that stand. That when I went to that hot dog stand, on the outside, it had all the signs that it was not going to be anything really substantial. But then actually when I took took the fruit, you know, the hot dog, I was like, wait a minute, this is a good hot dog. And and, and and the flip side of that, you know, when I go to a restaurant, it has all the signs of this being this five-star dining experience. And then I eat the food and I realize, wait a minute, this wasn't really that big of a deal. It wasn't worth the cost. Then there's a frustration there. And so Jesus going this tree is because on the outside, it had this outward appearance that it, it had figs, but in reality, it didn't. And it made me think, well, Lord, when you look at me, what do you see in me? Do you see someone on the outside that has all the signs that they're that they're growing in the Lord, but on the inside there there's there's roots of sin and there's roots of brokenness and there's roots of un- repentance. And on the outside, maybe it's like everything's together, but on the inside, Lord, you know, is there anything in my life that that I'm hiding from you or that that I'm I'm not bringing to the light? 
you know, Lord, what do you see in me? What do you find in me? So Jesus being upset that this fig tree didn't have figs wasn't because he was impatient. If anything, more of the scriptures pointing towards is that Jesus went to this fig tree because of the outward appearance, but on the inward, it, it wasn't producing fruit. So therefore, there was nothing going on this tree, that this tree was actually deceiving others into thinking that it was a fig tree when it wasn't, that there wasn't any figs, there wasn't any fruit there. And and in, in the same way that the, that I know, Lord, okay, you're not, it's not like you're impatient with me. If I'm not producing fruit, then you're just going to destroy me. It's not that. But if I'm given an outward sign that things are okay and that things are good between me and you, but on the inside it's not, if anything, a, a good father, I, I would want my father to tell me like, wait a minute, like, no, no, I'm going to call that out for what it is. You're deceiving not only yourself, but you're deceiving others. So this fig tree had every sign on the outside broadcasting to the world that it can offer something to, to, to fill that hunger that, that they had. But in reality, it had nothing to fill that hunger. But it was a false, it was basically a false advertisement, right? Just like that expensive um, diner that you might go to expecting a awesome meal, but then in reality, it wasn't really what you were expecting it to fill you. And so it also makes me think about how Jesus responded to this is also how Jesus responded in Luke 18, verse 9. He he gives this example as he's in the presence of Pharisees, of, of the religious people of the time, the Jews that, that were highly religious and were very strict in following the law of the Old Testament. And uh, they would be very, very, they would broadcast to the world that like, hey, look, we got it together. We got it together and you don't. We got it together, you don't. And this is how Jesus responds to them. As, and, it's, and it's so similar to how he responded to the fig tree. But this is Luke 18, verse 9. And this is what it says. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness, but scorned everybody else. Verse 10, two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like the other people, the cheaters, the sinners, the adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. Now, now, right here, on the outside, this looks really good. Like, this is someone who is trying to live out the Old Testament law in order to, you know, be right with their creator. You know, so this is someone that, yeah, and they're also a Pharisee. So they know the Old Testament. You know, they, they know the Old Testament pretty much memorized. And this is someone that, the, that everybody on the outside would look at as having this broadcast of like, look, like they have it all together. They're, they are a beautiful, beautiful fig tree. And, but then it says this, but the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not to even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. And this is what Jesus says in verse 14. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt, exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. The Pharisee was just like this fig tree that on the outside broadcasted to the world that, look, I have what you need. I have what you need. I have a relationship with the most high God, with the, with the one and true God, that, that the creator, savior, sustainer of everything. 
I have a relationship. And if you come to me, then you can know that God too. So on the outside, it was just like that fig tree that had all the right things. But in the inside, just like Jesus said in this passage, on the inside, he was, he was trusting all of the things that he was doing to reconcile and justify his relationship with, between him and his creator. When in reality, it was never about all that he can do because he was still broken. He could never measure up to a holy God. But Jesus looks at the tax collector, which tax collectors were hated at this time. Because tax collectors could take whatever taxes that Rome was asking of the citizens and add whatever fees they wanted to on top of it and basically put a, a burden on the person paying taxes just because the tax collector could. And so tax collectors were the lowest of lows in the social class, in the social society. But Jesus looks at this tax collector and the difference between the tax collector and the, the mighty fig tree of the Pharisees is that this fig tree, this tax collector realized for one, my fruit is broken. My fruit is nasty. That I am, I am nothing. I am nothing worthy of you, God. That, that, that on the outside, I don't even look good. I'm not even going to pretend. I'm not even going to fluff myself up as saying that I'm good. But in reality, I'm acknowledging before you and before man. I'm acknowledging, not only am I acknowledging, but I'm broken over the brokenness within me. And I'm coming to you in honesty saying, look, take my fruit because my fruit is unworthy. My fruit is unworthy. And Jesus says, no, no, no. It wasn't the person with the fig, the, the fig tree that looked awesome on the outside. That, that, yeah, that's the one I'm looking at. But in reality, it was the person that realized that they were broken. That was the beautiful, beautiful fig tree. So Jesus, you know, having this moment, giving this example to the Pharisees of the Pharisee of the tax Pharisee and the tax collectors, the disciples would have been remembering that as Jesus cursed this fig tree. Jesus wasn't cursing the fig tree because he was frustrated and he was impatient. He was cursing the fig tree because it broadcasted one thing, but didn't have what it was broadcasting to offer. And likewise, what is it that the Lord sees when he looks at me? What is it that the Lord sees when he looks at you? Do we broadcast on the outside that we have everything together? Do we broadcast on the outside that we're a man, a man or a woman of God? Do we broadcast on the outside that, that we're, we're what the world needs? Do we spend so much time fluffing up the leaves of our life and appearance through titles and positions and, and pomp? When on the inside, we're dying, we're decaying, and we're selfish, and we're needy, and we're broken. We have a God that doesn't look on the outward appearance, but looks at the inward fruit. And I know reading this passage, I know I was broken over the fact that I know within me that there is brokenness within the fruit of my life. There is brokenness. That God doesn't just look at me on my good days and my bad days and on my good days, God loves me more. and my bad days, he loves me less. No, no, no. God looks at me holistically. He looks at you holistically. He sees you on your good days and your bad days. And he knows you from your insides and you're out. It wasn't like he went to this fig tree on a bad day. That this fig tree, it wasn't just that, you know, that it, it wasn't time for the figs to grow yet. No, no, no. The, the problem was is that on the outside, it appeared as if it already went through time to grow the fig trees needed. 
So it was fooling everybody. The fig tree was fooling everybody but itself. And when, and all it took was Jesus getting just close to the fig tree. That fig tree on the outside had, had a great front. But all it took was somebody getting close to say, wait a minute, there's something wrong here. When was the last time that we came close to ourselves and our lives and not what, not what we want other people to think of us, but, but really in the privacy and the, and the, and the, and the alone, aloneness of, of, of time within our day to ask yourself that hard question of, God, what is the fruit? What is the fruit of my life right now? What is the fruit of my life? Is it pleasing? Is it is a worthy sacrifice to you? I know reading this passage, I came away with brokenness because I was saying, God, at any moment, you have full authorization to take the fruit of my life and to taste of it. And what is it that you taste within me? Lord, I don't want for, for the fruit of my life to be unbearable to you, to be unpleasing to you. But if anything, I know that, Lord, I want my fruit to be a sacrifice, a living sacrifice to you because you have gave it all for me. I know that when in June 2011, when, when I said, Jesus, take my life, I am done. I had nothing left and I died in that moment and I became alive through him. All that I have is Christ. Yes, so often throughout my day to day, I forget for one, I forget whose I am and I forget that all I have is his and at any moment he can ask for it back. My time, my talents, my energy, my efforts, my outward appearance, my inward appearance, all that I have is his. And I, 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 I pray, I pray that the Lord will find good fruit within me. And it made me think, what about you? What is the fruit that God would find in you? What are the ways that you're selfish or, or, or what are the ways within your, your day-to-day you've been focusing and obsessing over everything else but him. Everything else but the fact that you have a creator, savior, sustainer that knows you and loves you and wants to know you more and wants to grow you more, not into the image of a fig tree that on the outside looks like it has it all together, but inwardly doesn't, but he's growing you and he wants to grow you into a beautiful fig tree that not only has the appearance and a broadcast to the rest of the world, that it has a light within it that the world needs, but that it has the fruit to deliver on that promise that only comes through the spirit of God that dwells within us through surrender. That God is a farmer and he wants to cultivate within us beautiful fruit. And that comes through surrender, that comes through repentance, that comes through saying, God, what, what, what is in me? Lord, I want to reflect you. I don't want to just reflect what I want others to see. I ultimately, I truly want it to reflect you. God, you see within me holistically, not just on my good days and my bad days, but you see my good and bad days and you see all that I am and I can't hide from you. Therefore, God, use me, forgive me, mold me, shape me, help me be more of who you are desiring me to be. Help me reflect you. I am yours, I'm yours. A response in this passage also is, is Lord, have mercy on me. Just like that, that person within Luke 18, that tax collector that said, Lord, have mercy on me. That Lord, I'm not fooling anybody. I'm not fooling anybody. And, and I'm, I'm mostly not fooling you. I can fool myself. But ultimately, when I come face to face with you and your word, I can't fool. I know I'm not fooling anybody. 
So I'm coming clean and I'm saying, Lord, take my brokenness and create a beautiful picture out of it because I can't create a color out of this chaos. I can't, I can't. All that we have is his and he will use all that we have, even our brokenness, when we surrender it to him and say, Jesus, please use me, I am yours. Jesus, please use me, I am yours. I want to end with the rest of Psalms 26, verse 3. Psalms 26, 2, as I read at the very beginning, said, Put me on trial, Lord. Cross-examine me. Test my motives in my heart. And Psalms 26, 3, the beginning of the passage says this, For I am always aware of your unfailing love. Heavy heart. May we not only say, Lord, look at me, look at me, cross-examine me. I, I don't want to fool you anymore. Lord, with the tree that you are growing me into, I want to be more yours. May we not only have a heart of that, but may we also have a heart that says, okay, look, Lord, I know, I know that you will grow me. I know you will grow me through honesty when I also know you for who you are. David not only is inviting the Lord to search him and, and to, to, to mold and refine the brokenness within him, but he's also saying, look, I'm always aware of your unfailing love. We're not going to get to a point where we ask the Lord, Lord, help me, fix me. I'm broken. I'm needy. I'm dependent on you until we realize that for one, that he loves us even when we're at our worst. See, what we have, we have an enemy that always, always, always wants to still kill and destroy and isolate us. And sometimes when we know that we're broken, we hide from the Lord because we forget that he is full of love and mercy and forgiveness. And we hide from him because we think that if we come to him, that he's just gonna wipe us out like that fig tree. In reality, he's not gonna wipe us out like that fig tree when we're honest with him about the figs. The reason why he wiped out the fig tree is because the fig tree was fooling everybody. It was fooling everybody. But, the, but just like that person, that tax collector, that was justified before the Lord, as Jesus said, the tax collector said, look, I am nothing and I'm yours. I'm yours. I don't want to be who I've been, but I want to be who you, who you're making me into. Put me on trial, Lord, cross-examine me, test my motives in my heart, for I am always aware of your unfailing love. Psalms 26, two through three. The fig tree putting out leaves was a sign that, that summer was near and that there was figs, there was, there, was, there was something to offer to quench that hunger. Heavy heart, we are, we are here in this world as, as a, either a broadcast of hope or a broadcast of death. And I don't want to be a broadcast of death. May we not be broadcast of death, but may the may we come, come every single day before the Lord saying, look, I am fully and completely dependent on you and I'm fully and completely nothing apart from you. That may, and in a heart, may we go before the Lord every day saying, Lord, Lord, may what I broadcast today point others towards you because you are the only one that can save me when I'm dead. I am dead. I am dead in my sins. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
Who are we fooling? Who are we fooling? I'd rather be the hot dog stand that on the outside, on the outside, it just, it doesn't look that good because at least it's being honest, right? But on the inside, when you taste that hot dog, it's awesome. It is a great hot dog. It is great hot dog. I'd rather be that than a five-star restaurant that when you taste that meal, all you have is regret. You're not a lost cause. You are not a lost cause. Heavy heart, may we be honest before the Lord and say, look, wash up the dirtiness on my outside and make me not just be, 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 be a tree, but may, me, may I be a beautiful tree with beautiful fruit. The Lord is faithful. He is faithful. He's faithful. And there's so much more than anything, anything this world can offer. May we trust him. May we invite him to see us for the tree that he's growing, not the tree that we want others to see. Let us pray. Lord God, thank you so much. Thank you so much that you don't give up on us. Thank you that you're honest with the fruit that you find. God, help me. Help me, help me. Any beauty that others see in me, Lord, may it reflect you and not just fakeness, God. Help us be men and women of genuineness and vulnerability, knowing that for one, our identity is in you, not in what others think of us. Producing us good fruit, God. May our lives be a sacrifice. May we be ready at every, every moment and in every moment for you to take the fruit of our lives and to taste, to taste it. Lord, everything that we are is yours. So Lord, help us be everything that you're creating us to be. We need you, Lord. In your name we pray and we surrender. Amen, amen. God bless you guys. Hopefully talking about food hasn't made you uh, super hungry, but no matter where you're at, I just wanna encourage you that you are not a lost cause. May we be like that tax collector that says, look, I'm a sinner and I need you. And not like that Pharisee that says, look, this is what I can do in order to earn your love. There's nothing we can do to earn his love that he already, already hasn't done on the cross. He died for us at our worst so that we could come to him. And always, like Psalms 26 verse 3 says, always be aware of his unfailing love. Therefore, we give a full invitation to take our lives and to search us because we're not, we no longer have to hide or be ashamed of our brokenness. Jesus, please use us. We're yours. God bless you guys. You have a great day. I'll talk to you next week. See ya. Bye.